0: got your Bibles, you can go to the book of Nahum. You say, that's in the Bible? I thought that too, but it's in there. Nahum chapter 1, and you'll flip back a little bit to 2 Kings chapter 18. Nahum one, Second Kings 18. If you would, turn and look at your neighbor and tell him, Neighbor, you look like you left 10 pounds behind in that last season. You are springing forward into a brand new you. You got an extra spring in your step today. Yes, you do. Nahum, chapter 1. Nahum had a burden. Anybody carrying a burden today? I carry a burden today. I carry a burden for our nation I carry a burden for this world I carry a burden for so many families hurting today Nahum was a prophet who had a burden had a word he had to go share he didn't want to share but the burden of the Lord on him wouldn't let him not share it with the people Nahum got sent to Nineveh, we've heard of Nineveh before Nineveh, Jonah went there a hundred years before this and spoke the word of the lord to nineveh and nineveh repented turned from their wicked ways and god redeemed them and saved them anybody remember the time god redeemed and saved you come on don't ever forget that moment in your life where he saved you but here we are 150 years after this and nahum has bent back or nineveh has bent back and they forgot what they were saved from And they went back to their wicked ways and worse. And God said, no longer will I put up with the wickedness. And I don't know about you, but ever since we've turned into 2022, I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm not turning a blind eye to the wickedness any longer. I'm not turning a blind eye to your foolishness any longer. It will be called out. You'll either deal with it now or I'll deal with it on my time. And that's where Nahum is. Nahum 1. Beginning, at verse number thirteen, he says four. I'm sorry. Let's back up. Verse nine. Verse nine. What do you conspire against the Lord? He's speaking to Nineveh, the enemy, the Assyrian Empire. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. Some versions say trouble will not rise a second time. I don't know if you've been walking through some trouble, but I've had plenty of trouble in my day. But I hear the Lord saying, this trouble will not rise a second time. I don't know what troubles troubling your children today, what troubles troubling your marriage today, but I just want to declare trouble will not rise a second time. There's a double blessing coming in 2022, but double trouble is not coming your way. Somebody say amen to that. He goes on to say, For while tangled like thorns and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble, Fully dried. From you comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. And thus says the Lord Though they are safe and likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down. Because when he passes through, though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. Verse 13. For now, somebody say now. For now, I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. For now, I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. I don't know if you need some heaviness bursted off of you today but we've already sung of his goodness and his hallelujahs that he only deserves. Would somebody lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for your delivering hand on us today. I want to flip over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings 18, verse 13. This is where the yoke comes from. And he said, and in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sener, I didn't say that with confidence. You know, if you don't know the name, you're just supposed to say it with confidence and nobody knows you <laughs> mispronunciated it. I missed my opportunity right there. Well, that evil king of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stopped the gold from, no, he stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. I want to speak from the thought today under the influence, under the influence. And I feel the influence of the presence of the Lord in this house. Some of us have been blinded by the wrong influence today. We're walking under the wrong influence. But I declare the Spirit of the Lord's gonna break off that drunken stupor off of your life. And you're about to walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And a holy unction's about to rise up in you, mama and daddy. And you're about to walk in the authority God has placed you in. And I declare we're about to see a new influence over this nation. We're about to see a new influence over our world today. Somebody say, get under the influence get under the influence can we pray together father oh we thank you for your presence that's here God I need you today we need you today we don't need man's words we need your word today God let your word go forth with power with anointing may it break every yoke and burst every bond in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen." You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. In case you've forgotten, may I take a few moments to remind you of who our God truly is. May I remind you that our God is not a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes any longer. That our God is, is not some God next to other gods. There is no God beside him. There is no God above him. He is the one, only, true God. He is a mighty God. Before him, there is none other. And Nahum describes our God in terms that some of us don't even like to think about because we've got this made-up image of who our God is. But Nahum reminds the people of Nineveh, and he's also speaking to God's people, reminding them of who the one true God really is. And if you look at the first few verses of Nahum chapter 1, he lays out some different adjectives of who our God is. And the first thing he says in verse 2 is he says, our God is jealous. Somebody say he's jealous. He's jealous. Now, you got to understand that is a human word a human terminology it's the only thing our minds can come up with to describe this attribute of who our almighty God is Zechariah mentions about our God being jealous the very first commandment given in the Bible is you should have no other gods before me he's a jealous God but that jealous term is a human term that we try to come up with to describe an infinite, all-powerful God, that our language doesn't even interpret how powerful he is. And so the best word we could come up with is jealous. Now, if you and I were to use the term jealous and talk about how jealous we were, that would be because we feel like our territory is being threatened, and so we become jealous the fellas know what I'm talking about when some other guy starts making eyes at your girlfriend and you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, back up, Jack. Get back from this, that, mine. No, uh uh-uh, uh, no, uh uh-uh. uh. I have prayed for that. Mm-mm, no, you, you're not coming near that. You know, and if we see something happen, we get jealous of them. But God's jealousy is so much more than that. He becomes jealous for you because of how much He loves and cares for you. And He knows the end from the beginning over your life. And he's jealous for you because he sees you going after something other than him. And he knows if you go after that, you're not gonna get the best that he has for you. And so he's jealous for you because he loves you. Somebody say, he loves me. You may not feel worthy of his love. You may not even feel like he loves you in this moment, but I'm here to tell you, he loves Loves you. You would not be sitting in this room today, breathing fresh air today, able to worship in this sanctuary with like kindred today if he did not love you. He loves you so much. He is so jealous for you. And his displeasure is because of his tremendous love for you. And he knows that you can't come into what is best for you as long as you're following some other idea. Or God. Our God is a jealous God. But not only is He jealous, verse 2 goes on to say, The Lord revengeth. Somebody say He revengeth. I like talking New King James sometime. It's better than my Arkansas slang. All right. He revengeth. God revengeth. It the word says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You cannot sin with impunity against God and think. You'll never have to answer for that sin. But many people have misunderstood or mistaken the long suffering of God as weakness, and they feel that God will not judge, but not so. God will judge, and he will bring vengeance and retribution upon those sinners who do not repent and turn back to him. I'm telling you, we serve a revenging God who, who hates sin will not allow sin in his presence, and anybody that tries to carry it with them without repentance will get the revengeth wrath of the Lord. And you say, But I, I don't know about that. I mean, my God loves me, and our God is a God of love. The word says over and over again, God is love. And he loves you so much that he will go after the sin in your life to utterly destroy and remove it from your life. That's how much he loves you. When we sing about goodness and mercy coming after us, chasing after us, it's his goodness and mercy that he won't let you get comfortable in your sin. It's his goodness and mercy that you toss and turn all night knowing you're living like hell and putting on a facade in front of the church house. He loves you too much to let you get comfortable in that. The writer of Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Those who object this thinking of God in all the terms of judgment or vengeance or wrath or anger mistaken the love of God. But in a sense, it is his loving nature. Just ask any mom or dad in the room. Let something come up against your children. Let somebody talk bad about your baby. I'm telling you, you talk bad about our babies. That woman right down there, sweet little Amy, the the (laughs) vengeance of the Lord is coming out of her And I'm telling you, it's a whole nother voice that shows up in her. There's this eye glare that comes out. Daggers come flying out. She don't care who hears her or who's watching. That's her baby, and she's going to defend her baby. Can I tell you, God's love is so much more than that. He loves you more than anybody else could, and he's coming after you with everything he got and defending the enemy on your behalf. Where is the love in the church today? Where is the love like this, that gets tired of watching people crumble in their sins, and instead of giving them a blanket and a pacifier, to pacify away the days. Where is the love in the church that says, we're calling you out of that today? Where is the love that'll still speak truth, and cover it in love, but not let people walk in sin day after day and us turn a blind eye to it? It's time for the church to become a church of love today, a church that doesn't pacify you in your sin, but calls it out of you. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and we need his spirit stirring in us again. Somebody say amen. Not only is he a God of jealousy, a God of vengeance, a God who loves us. He loves us so much. His love is not weak. God is not weak. Yes, God is love, but he is also a just and holy God who will bring judgment against sin. And though the judgment may seem to tarry, you can be sure God will avenge the evil. The next few verses on down. Around verse number four, and right before that, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storms, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. I don't know if you've looked up and seen the big clouds in the sky, but our God is so big. He is so powerful. Those clouds are nothing more than the dust of his feet, and our God is so powerful that with one word, he can cause a drought in the middle of flowing water and it can dry up with one word. With one word, he can calm the largest raging storm in your life. It only takes one word from him. With one word, he can shift things. On an ax, he can turn it around in one suddenly moment. If snow can come overnight after a 70 degree weather day, how much more can he turn the situation around in your life today? I know today may look weary and tired and like there is no hope, but in one word he can turn it all around that's how powerful our God is now we hear about a jealous God a God a God that comes after sin and evil with so much wrath and and can turn things in a whirlwind and speak one word and and change circumstances but Nahum does not leave out this one last statement that is the foundation of all of our theology because in verse number seven he says the Lord is good Let me say it again. The Lord is good. I don't know if you heard every song they sang today, but they wanted to remind us today that the Lord is good. If you don't get that statement right, the rest of your life will be all messed up and jacked up. You've got to remember today that the Lord is good. Somebody needs to remind themselves today that the Lord is good. Why don't you just speak it out today? The Lord is good. Look at your neighbor on your left and tell them today, neighbor, the Lord is good. If they didn't look at you right, look at the other one and tell them the Lord is good. Now remind yourself and say self, the Lord is good. Anybody believe the Lord is good today? To accept that statement, you've got to accept it by faith. Faith is believing in what I cannot see, trusting in what I do not feel or see around me. We've got to accept that the Lord is good by faith. And oh, does Satan come against that statement? Does he come against that foundation of theology in our life? Does he question it every day that we wake up? We woke up this morning with him, hounding us with it. Is the Lord really good? Well, if the Lord is good, then why? Do you ever find yourself asking why? I ask why about every day of my life. Why? 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 Why, why couldn't we get a snow day? Why did I get called to come preach today? I'm kidding. Let me get back to the sermon right here. The Lord is good, but Satan will come against that theology. And he'll say, if he's so good, then why are your children running like little devils all throughout the city? Why are you getting called to the principal's office to talk about your children every week? If the Lord is so good, then why? Have you not gotten a pay raise in so many years and watched inflation take over and you're trying to figure out how to feed your babies and how to put gas in the car tank? If God is so good, then why? Uh, The psalmist David said over in Psalms, he says, "I, I believe that the Lord is good, but when I looked around, I almost got wiped out. Why did he almost get wiped out? Because he looked around and he says, I see evil men and women. And I see the blessing of the Lord on their life. And I know the life they live. I know the way they talk. I know they come to church and they raise their hand and they sing a song and they put a smile on their face. But I see them on their job. I see them in their houses. And they're living like the devil. Yet it seems like everything just lines up perfect for them. Do you know those people? Don't point them out today. But do you know those people? Those people that live like the devil and you're being faithful, You show up to church on spring forward Sunday. You show up in the middle of the snow and say, I don't care how cold it is outside. I need a word from the Lord. God, I'm chasing after you. God, I'm being faithful in my giving. I'm worshiping you in good times and in bad times. And it seems like there's a whole lot more bad times than good times in my life. And I watch people living like hell and they have more blessing on their life than I do. It's almost about to wipe me out. I can't handle it. And that's our nearsightedness. Nearsightedness. We, we can't see the long term view because we're focused on the here and now. God's not focused on your here and now. He sees the much bigger picture. You can't see the forest for the trees right in front of you right now. Don't focus on here and now. Here and now may not be good, but the Lord is good all the time. I know right now doesn't seem good, but if you could see the ways of the Lord, you would say, He is good. The psalmist David said that. I was almost. He wasn't wiped out. He was. Was almost wiped out. It says until he came into the sanctuary of our God. That's why we say you need to get in the house of God, because when we come in the house of God, that's when we get an eternal perspective on things. When I forget about myself and just lose myself in worship, and I begin to lift up incense of praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as Pastor Tobin said, get your eyes on Jesus today. Would you just look at Jesus today? Quit looking at the problems around you I know things are tough and things are stretching and it's hard to get day to day I know our world is at war right now and we're unsure of what tomorrow holds but I know who holds my tomorrow I don't have to understand tomorrow to know that I have a God who holds tomorrow the Lord is good somebody say he's good He goes on to say not only is he good, but he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Somebody say he's a stronghold. He's a stronghold. Some of you are like, well, wait, time out. I came into this thing. I got saved. I'm believing in the Lord because I thought my trouble was leaving me. I was saying bye-bye to all my troubles, but that's not what your Bible says. Quit listening to YouTube preachers preach and pick up the word for yourself and read it and feed your soul because this Bible tells me The afflictions of the righteous are much. They come right and left. My Bible tells me that Jesus was afflicted, and He says, If they didn't accept me, they will not accept you. I'm not worried about trouble because when I'm in trouble, I know who to go to in my time of trouble. It's not me that's holding myself up. My hands get weak, my legs get weak, my heart gets weak, my mind gets weak, but there is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he will lift out his righty might hand and hold you up. The word says the name. Somebody say the name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. I'm thankful. I know trouble's coming, but I have somewhere to go when trouble comes because those who don't know the Lord have nowhere to go in the day of trouble. But I know the Lord. Anybody know the Lord in the house today. Come on, anybody know him by name? You know his heart when he reaches out to you. You feel him when he comes in the room on Monday morning. You sense him when you lay down at night. You say, I know he is with me. I know he walks with me. He walks with me in the cool of the day. He walks with me on the stormy waters. I know the Lord, and the Lord holds me in the day of trouble. I run to him for refuge when I find myself in trouble. Anybody thankful you got somebody to go to in the day of trouble? Wow. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Stronger than any stronghold the enemy will put on your life. Stronger than any drug addiction. Stronger than any addiction you've got in your life. Stronger than any darkness you find yourself in today. Come on, I don't care how dark the darkness is. The light always shines brightest in the darkest corners, and he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. But here we are, verse 13 of they This is where I've been stuck for a month because I didn't have this pretty sermon prepared at whatever time yesterday evening when we decided I'm coming to Chattanooga. But this has been mulling in my spirit for over a month now. Verse 13 says, For now, somebody say now. For now I'll break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. I asked the Lord, Lord, where where's that where'd that yoke come from? What what is the yoke? Where where I mean you're you're speaking to your people here and what where how'd they end up in the yoke? Well, if you just spend a little time studying the Word and just don't read it from a surface perspective, but if you'll actually look at those little footnotes that I have to put those glasses on to see down there, just a little tiny. Everybody say, read the fine print. Yeah, when you read the fine print, it'll trace you back to where it all started. And that's how I ended up all the way back in 2 Kings chapter 18, because this proclamation is speaking to the very story happening in 2 Kings chapter 18. And when you go to 2 Kings chapter 18, there is King Hezekiah who came in as a young man, as the king of Judah. The word tells us there is no other king before him or after him like him. Talking good of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah comes in on a rampage, ready to get people's eyes back on Jesus. He goes in slamming down idols. He breaks apart the bronze serpent that God had Moses hold up in the wilderness. Anybody remember that story? And he held it up, and everybody that looked at the bronze serpent was healed in Jesus' name. But they was churchy back then, just like you and I are churchy today. Because we see one good thing happen. One brother blow on people, and they are healed in Jesus' name. We're all blowing on people. Quit blowing on people. God told him to blow on people and they want to hold it up and so they that bronze serpent was good for them by George we're holding that bronze serpent up everywhere and the problem is we get distracted with the function with the methods of how God operates and get our eyes off the God who's operating in all the methods and so Hezekiah had to come in and break out the bronze serpent said it's not the serpent it's God Man, he was a great king. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I don't see how in the world they got in a yoke with a king like this. I mean, he was awesome. And the king of Assyria, Assyria was a mighty empire. Nineveh was the capital of this empire. And they had turned wicked. The occult was going wild in there. They, They were living as evil, as evil as you see today. The worst that you could think of is what was happening in this empire. And for three years, they kept trying to come after Israel and come after Judah. And they kept trying to overtake them, and every time they get defeated, and they'd go back. But after the third time, they decided to come back one more time. And when they came back the third, after the third time, they took the four defense cities that were bordering the kingdom of Judah. And that's where things got nervous. Because I don't know about you, it's easy to shout, it's easy to proclaim how great God is. It's easy to say he's a stronghold in the day of trouble when your trouble is just little. But when trouble gets really close to what matters in your life, when you feel the air of the enemy breathing down your neck, when you see the glare of the enemy staring in your eyes, standing in your bedroom at night, taunting you, telling you how great he is and how dare you think your God is going to save you. When he starts to get close, when he gets close to those babies and you see your baby struggling, you're like, hey, I This wasn't happening until I started serving the Lord. This didn't happen until I started stepping out and walking with the Lord. I'm just going to back off, whatever it takes. I don't want the enemy bothering me. When he gets close, that's when we want to back up. But can I tell you, when the enemy gets close, that's because he knows there's greatness in you. He sees what you don't even see. He senses what you don't even sense. Come on, if trouble's been coming after you, that means there is something great around the corner of your life. I'm not just speaking happenstance or circumstance. I'm speaking over my own life today. I'm encouraging the Ryan family today. Can I tell you at the start of 2022, we start 100 days to glory, and I hear all the testimonies of his goodness and his glory pouring out on everybody, and I shout and praise the Lord with all of them, but I find myself asking why during 2022. Why has all hell broken? when I started going after the glory. Why has weird infection showed up in our house? Why on the first day? I mean, the enemy don't even wait. He starts on January 1. I'm trying to figure out if my wife needs to go to the hospital. Tornadoes are coming to the house. And I'm like, what in the world? All we did was just start fasting today. I fasted plenty of times. What in the world is going on? And it seems like it just keeps nagging. There's something nagging at somebody in here today. It just keeps coming at you and keeps rearing its ugly head. At you, and you keep saying, I just want you to leave me alone. But I came to encourage you today. I came to help you get your footing and say, I'm not backing up from this place. I don't know why you're standing on this piece of property, but I belong to the Lord today, and the Lord will fight for me today. So you can growl, you can throw all you've got at me, but I declare the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and He's gonna save us today. But King Hezekiah forgot that. And he said, man, whatever I got to do, just leave us alone. It says he sold out. Look at your neighbor and say, don't sell out. Over the past two years, I've watched the church sell out. I've watched people in the church sell out. I've watched husbands sell out and jet on their family. I've watched moms sell out and leave the kids and the dad at home. I've watched great men and women of God sell out and watch the sheep scatter. We've sowed out in this day because the enemy's gotten closer than we thought he could ever get. He's touched things in our life we thought he could never touch. But can I remind you, if Job went through all those circumstances and he said, blessed be the name of the Lord, I don't care what the enemy tries to touch in my life, it's not mine anyway. God gave it to me and it belongs to him. He gave me my family, he gave me my marriage, he gave me myself, he gave me everything in my life and so I surrender it all back to him today. So the enemy can take it all, but he can't take everything from us. And Hezekiah got nervous and he sold out. And his sellout caused a yoke to be put on the people of God. Real quickly, three things, three yokes that I see the body of Christ in today. Number one, the yoke of image. Somebody say the yoke of image. You gotta understand what a yoke is. Hopefully you know this. I'm learning more because, you know, I, I'm on a farm now. I'm kidding. No. But up in that, I've got chickens now. I'm working on some more chickens. And you know, we're wanting to get our own meat this year. You never know how high chickens going in the grocery store. So you gotta be ready, you know. So just start cutting and of going. I'm kidding, just finding something to do. Chickens, I'll have your Thanksgiving turkey at the Ryan Ranch this year. You can come pick it up there this year. Uh, So a yoke, a yoke, yeah. So I've got some property. If I want to make my garden bigger and I can't afford the tractors and tillers because of inflation, you know, so I need to get a couple mules, I could get a yoke and I could put a yoke on these two mules and the way they would do it is they would put a strong ox. Somebody say a strong ox. They'd put a strong older ox and a younger ox that didn't quite know his way and they would yoke them together and that stronger ox would control the younger ox and wherever the stronger ox wanted to go, That's where the younger ox had to go. That yoke is also known as an influence. Somebody say influence influence, and some of us are being controlled by the wrong influence. We're yoked under something, and we are influenced. We don't want to go that way, but we have to go that way. We keep wanting to turn away from it, but something won't let us turn away from it, and it's because we've sold out and allowed ourselves to get yoked up in the wrong thing, and we're under an influence. We know it's not ourselves. We know we don't want to be like this, but this influence that is influencing us and turning us the way we don't want to go is causing these things to happen and this is exactly what happened to the people of God and it's what's happening to people in this room and watching online today. We're yoked by the wrong influence and number one is the yoke of image because you and I have sold out our beloved identity for an image that is false to us. The enemy has been causing the people of God to bow down to golden images way back in the Old Testament and he's still got us bound down to images today. The golden image in the wilderness didn't deliver the people of God from the wilderness, and the image you're trying to create in your life is not going to deliver you from your wilderness. That, that image of Baal couldn't call fire down from heaven, and there is no image on this earth that can bring the fire of God again. You and I have got to lay down our image and seek the identity of Christ in our lives today. No other image could stand in the presence of the Lord. Just ask Dagon who's dead and gone. Just ask him. Every time they tried to prop him up in the presence of the Lord, he fell over till finally he was crumbled into a million pieces. Nothing can stand in the presence of the Lord. You gotta understand who you are and whose you are. You got to understand that greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. I know who I belong to. I was bought with a heavy price. I was bought with a costly price. And it's not my image I'm trying to create because I know whose image I was created in. And that image is greater than any blue check mark, better than any viral TikTok. It's better than anything out there. I'm created in the image of God. So don't sell out your image. For somebody else's, keep your identity in Christ. Number two, the yoke of agenda. We've forgotten our assignment and picked up agendas we were never intended to carry. Can I tell you, the last two years shook me. I remember at the beginning of this pandemic, stepping into the summer you got to understand Athens campus, there there. It was just getting started. It just got started and then it shut down. I thought, well, that was a nice little firework. <laughs> I guess we're done now. And then when we finally get to come back, all hell's breaking loose in our nation. And I can feel the enemy right next to me. And he almost made me think my assignment was crazy, that the assignment of this house for that area, the assignment of this house, for this area, and the assignment of this house for the nations of the earth. He tries to push us off that assignment. And I started thinking, maybe we should help that agenda You know, I got to make sure I speak up for that agenda so I don't offend those people. And I better speak up for that agenda so I don't offend and turn those people away. But if I speak up, I got to speak up for this agenda to help them. I'm not called to speak for any agenda. I have an assignment on my life. Jesus had one assignment when he came to this earth. Isaiah 61, verses one through three. When Jesus came to this earth, he sat on the throne, opened the scroll, and said, this assignment is fulfilled now. I am the Messiah. I have come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to teach the gospel, to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to mend the broken heart. If that was good enough for Jesus, that's good enough for me. We can't forget our assignment today. Our assignment is still to set the captive free, to let them know greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Our assignment is to let broken people know who can put all the broken pieces back together again. Well, forget your assignment. I'm thankful for leaders in this house who know their assignment. And have not drifted from their assignment Our pastors stand up and speak for life In the midst of chaos and turmoil all around When life comes against them When the attacks of the enemy come against They still stand up and speak for life I'm thankful they know their assignment And they speak up for life When people threaten to take their tithe dollars away They stand up and speak for life When people threaten to walk out the door They stand up and speak for life When people try to pull them from one side to the other side They stand up and they speak for life because I heard the good bishop of this house tell the whole wide world truth doesn't have a side, and I will not be pulled to the right or to the left, but I'm going to stand on truth because it's the truth that sets people free. You and I are not called to be on this side or that side. We're called to stand for truth and speak the truth in love. Somebody say, "Don't don't lose your assignment. Don't lose your assignment. Don't lose your assignment. It's the truth that sets you free. Mom and daddy stand for truth. Come on, when they're trying to pull your kids away and you're trying to be their best buddy, you're not called to be their best buddy. You're called to be the parent of the house. Come on, we need some husbands that'll stand up and be the husband of their house. We're letting our houses crumble and fall apart. Men of God, I'm calling you to rise up in this hour. You have an assignment to be the priest of your home. You're called to be the king of your house. You're called to be the prophet over your house. Stand up in your assignment and do the work of the Lord. We need some women of God who'll go sweep the corners of their house. Quit letting your babies hide in their bedroom and lock things away. My mama would never let me lock the door in my house. I couldn't even keep the door closed in my room. And when I would try to hide stuff, the Holy Spirit would tell her where the stuff was. Come on, women of God, you need to start listening to the voice of the Lord and quit listening to the voice of the enemy. Your own assignment and your assignment's going to set your house free. Somebody say, don't lose your assignment. And the last yoke was the yoke of fear. Somebody say fear. The yoke of fear. we've, We've sold out our faith because of the fear we feel in this world. The last two years has revealed in the natural what has been happening underneath all along. We've been closing doors to our hearts for many, many years, afraid of exposure. And the natural just showed us what we were doing in the spirit. We were closing off doors and hiding, afraid of being exposed. But the Lord has said, no, everything will be exposed in this last day. You can try to cover up all you want, but as you find out when you get a nasty wound... If you don't ever expose the wound and allow the air to begin to heal it, you're going to rot away and die. And the Lord says, I love you too much to let you keep it covered up. You got to reach out by faith. Somebody say reach out by faith. You got to reach out by faith is an act. If you've ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth, a mighty man of God, Way back when, who, who, you saw miraculous things happen when he came. He spent many a days fasting and in prayer and, and made many signs and wonders what happened. And they, they speak of one time that he preached. And for an hour and a half, you better thank God I'm not doing this today. For an hour and a half, he walked back and forth across the platform and just said, faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith is an act for an hour and a half. Would you like me to do that today? Faith is an act, I'm pretty sure you're picking up on it before I get to an hour and a half, that faith is an act. The word says faith without works is dead. Faith is an action. I'm reminded of when Jesus spoke to the man with the withered hand in Matthew chapter 10. He said, stretch out your hand. If he was gonna receive his miracle, he was gonna have to stretch out by faith. But too many of us are afraid to stretch out because we're afraid of the witherness in our life that is about to be exposed. But may I remind you, you're not all that in a bag of potato chips. If it wasn't for the Lord on your side, where would you be today? If it wasn't for the Lord in my life, I surely would not be standing right up here right now. I'm not even sure I'd be alive right now. But because of faith and knowing that greater is He, I've got to reach out whatever it takes. I've got to reach out and take what God has for me. If it exposes the witherness, if it exposes the ugliness in my life, I don't care anymore. I need Jesus in my life somebody just reach out and take it by faith today because you see it's the vulnerable and transparent that see the anointing flowing in their life this is what I came to say today because what breaks the yoke the word of God does not tell me my gift breaks the yoke I don't care how beautiful your singing is I don't care how eloquent your messages are. I don't care how popular your YouTube channel is. Your gift does not break the yoke. My socioeconomic status does not break the yoke. I don't care what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't matter about that. That's not what breaks the yoke. My Bible tells me the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. Quit striving. Quit trying to do it in your own strength and say, God, I need your anointing in my life. I need the anointing of God to come in and break the yoke. That's why we don't need hollow sermons any longer. We don't need hollow worship any longer. We need the anointing in this last day. I'm crying for the oil to flow again in the people of God. How do we get the anointing? There's simple ingredients to the anointing. All of you are smarter than I and know this better than I do. But five simple ingredients to the anointing that I'll hit real quickly, and we'll close up, and you can go to lunch early today, okay? The ingredients of the anointing, the first one is myrrh. Somebody say myrrh. Myrrh Myrrh stands for meekness. Somebody say meekness. Meekness. May I remind you, meekness is not weakness, and that Jesus was the meekest of them all. We need more meekness in the house of God today. We need more meekness in our homes today. Come on, lay down your haughty self. Lay down your prideful self, and let yourself be meek today, and allow the anointing to flow in your life. Cinnamon was another ingredient, and their cinnamon grew up nice and straight and tall. It was a tall, straight plant. And uh, they would say that even priests that were anointed to do the work of God, if they had a crooked back they could they were unqualified to serve in there and i'm seeing a lot of crooked people getting moved out of the way in this last day god's not putting up with your crookedness anymore it's time to quit tripping and stand up nice and straight and tall it's time to stand for the truth of god's word and say let his word be so in my life we need straightness in the house of god today calamus was humility somebody say be humble Be humble, pride comes before fall and we need humility in the house of God. Cassia was cleansing. Ephesians chapter nine verse eight tells us purity produces power. Mama and Daddy, you want to see some power in your home? You want to see power to break yokes in your home? Let your house be a pure home today. Come on, if there's anything unpure, I don't care what it is. It's time to get it out the door today. Come on, if there's unpure things in your heart today, it's time to say, God, cleanse it out of my heart today. You got unpure thoughts up here today? It's time to say, God, cleanse my mind today. God, cleanse my dreams today. God, I need a pure thought, a pure heart today. I need purity back in my life today. And the last was the olive oil. An olive had to be crushed before it could produce oil. You wonder why you're walking through this season right now? He's crushing some things out of you so the anointing can flow in your life today because when the anointing starts flowing, you won't be prideful enough to think it's because of you. You'll know God's crushed you all the way out of it and it's all of him flowing through you today. And they wouldn't just put a little dab or a little cross on your forehead. They'd pour five quarts of anointing oil over a person because you couldn't hide the anointing on your life today. It's time to expose the anointing ones today it's time to come out of the caves and step into the light and walk in the anointing God has on your life today it's time not to hide the anointing but to walk in the authority of the anointing of the Lord somebody say break the yoke yoke. pastor Tobin worship team everybody I'm bringing her in for a landing here the anointing breaks the yoke And after the Lord reminded his people of this, in verse 15 of Nahum chapter one, he says, behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, that's who I came to talk to today. O Judah, somebody say O Judah. He said O Judah, Keep your appointed feast. Perform your vows. For the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. O Judah, who's Judah? You and I, the people of God, we were created to worship. Come on, the enemy may have stolen all kinds of stuff from you. You may be sitting here today saying, I ain't got nothing. Oh, you've got something today, because the enemy can't take your praise away. The enemy can't steal your praise today. He didn't give you the praise, and your circumstances can't take the praise away from you today. And he says, when you feel like you've lost everything, don't you run away from me. God's not pushing you away today. He's calling you in today. He says, Keep on performing the feast. Keep on coming back to the house of God. Keep on worshiping the Lord. I know you don't have it figured out right now, and you're trying to figure things out, and you're like, but you don't know what I did yesterday, and I'm just here today because of my guilty conscience. He says it's time to break that off of you today. He says if you'll just begin to lift up a praise, he says the enemy will not pass through there again. It's your praise that's going to crumble the enemy before your feet, before your very eyes. He's going to crumble if you just praise him. So don't lose your praise. Don't lose your hallelujah. Our hallelujah doesn't belong to anybody but the Lord. And we've got to trust him. What happened with King Hezekiah and them? They got under the right influence. They felt the anointing flow in their life again. And they began to lift up a praise. And all they did was praise. And it says that the enemy was back at their camp, drinking, drunk, having a great old time, thinking they had won the battle. There's an enemy in this world today who's sitting up laughing, drunk on his pride and power, thinking he has won the victory. But it says the Lord walked through that camp as Judah was praising the Lord. They felt the yoke being broke off of their lie. I feel yokes being broke off in this room right now. I feel yokes being broke off online. You've believed the lie long enough, and it's time to trust in the name of the Lord, the stronghold in the time of trouble. And they begin to praise, and it says, when they woke up the next morning, the enemy's camp laid full of dead bodies. And the king of Assyria ran back to his God. And as he laid there drinking before his God, His own people came in and slaughtered him. You don't have to fight. God will do the fighting for you. You don't have to lose your praise because it's when you praise that's when walls come crumbling down. It's when you praise that the enemy turns on himself and goes to fighting himself. It's when you praise is when you see victory in there today. Don't let the enemy steal your hallelujah today. I'm reminded of the song that says, come on my soul. Oh, don't you get tired of me, lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Sometimes you got to tell yourself, come on my soul. Oh, don't you get shy of me, lift up your song you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord somebody needs to command your soul today and say come on my soul oh don't you get show me lift up your song because you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord. I know you don't feel like it today, but can you just say it out loud? Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise Somebody's getting up today. Come on, let's sing it out. Come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and pray. of your situation. Come on, would you lift up a hallelujah today? God. up your hands here in this house, there in Athens, online in your house. You say, I need yokes broken off of me right now in your praise. Come on, humble yourselves before him. Let the anointing flow and break the yoke off your life today. Come on, let that hallelujah that's been crept down inside, you've been pushing down. Let that hallelujah out today. Let that praise out today. Come on, somebody needs to let a praise out over their home today. Hallelujah. 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 Go eat your fried chicken if you have to, but I'm going to stand here and say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoa. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're in this room today. You're yoked in something you don't want to be yoked in any longer. You've been trying to get out in your own strength, and the yoke keeps getting tighter and tighter, telling you there's a new influence ready to come over your life today. If you'll surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ today. Say, Pastor Chris, I, I don't understand everything happening, but I know I'm not in the place I want to be. And I sense the Lord drawing me closer to him, and I, I just want to come home to him today. I need this yoke of bondage, this, this yoke of fear, this yoke of addiction. I, I need it broken off. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. That you you in this house, I want to pray for you today. And would you just slip up your hand right where you are just so I know who I'm praying for today. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see hands in every section today. As the altar team comes forward, I don't want you to hide back there any longer. You're stepping out saying, I'm coming home to Jesus today. I need him to break this yoke off of my life today. We want to agree with you in prayer. You're in the safest place you could be today. You're in a place of love that loves you tremendously. And I want you to join me right here. We want to pray with you today. And as they come forward, can we just begin to praise the Lord? And can we just let a praise come out today? Come on, let's sing it again. Oh, come on, come on, my soul. Oh, don't step out right where you are right now. Come forward now, right there from your seat, right there in Athens. Come on, forward now. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you've got. to pray and then I'm gonna release you there's some of you in this room you say I need to get my anointing back I, I left it somewhere I got distracted and I got pulled away I'll stay here all afternoon we don't have Sunday night church so we can pray all day but I want to release those that need to go but I want you to stretch your hands toward this altar as people come home and find Jesus today come on can we just pray one for another right now father I thank you for your goodness and your mercy I'm thankful that you still call your children home to you. That in your goodness and mercy, you won't let them stay in their sin, but your Holy Spirit will draw them close to you. God, I pray you would cover them today. God, we pray a hedge of protection over them. We bind the enemy who would come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we speak life and life more abundantly over them today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Now, if you're in this house and you say, I've lost my anointing, I need the anointing back in my home. I need the anointing back in my own life today. We're here to pray with you today. And so I just want to pray a blessing over you. You come forward or you're free to go or you can stay in worship. But Father, we pray your blessing over your people today. I pray you make your face to shine upon them. That you give them much peace today. May they go in the peace of the Lord this week. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And somebody gave the Lord a great praise today. Oh, come on, my soul! Come on, my soul! Don't sing in